This is the perfect way to start, Red, because welcome back to I Love That For You, the podcast about the late bloomers and trailblazers of all walks of life. I'm Kelly. And I'm thirsty. <laughs> Red just started off spooky season in the most appropriate way because we are giddy. It is October, people. It is spooky season. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Dude, <laughs> I am just so giddy. We just decorated I mean, the house. Who do you think like, you're talking to? Uh, yeah. This is totally my time of year. So I am so excited. And just so, for the folks at home, uh, it is an apple teeny I'm drinking. This lovely spooky green. Uh, it really is. So this is going to be an interesting episode. It's, that's it's for 2 sure. PM. <laughs> it is 2 p.m. where you are. So this is I so- know. <laughs> Hey, it's afternoon. It's fine. And I don't know. I just was feeling the spirit. I have a day off for once, which is, um, yes. I mean, I might have a tour tonight, but since it's only two, I have time. And you're appropriately um, dressed for it, man. Yes. God. Yes. You look Thank gorgeous. you. Yeah. I mean, obviously this, uh, the podcast medium is the perfect way to showcase <laughs> The look if we ever figured out our video, we could show you guys. <laughs> yeah. I might take a photo, just a behind the scenes look as I think we you should. Yeah. But guys, happy spooky season because Happy this October. Month, on the pod, aside from next week's Tuesday tea, which honestly can just be put under the category of horror because life is a nightmare. Although our guest is so treat. Not We're at all. Love our guest. She's a treat. We're gonna so. love our guest. She is a treat. But we are highlighting all spooky season related people. It's so exciting. Yay! I was so excited when we started planning this out and then the yeah, people we started truly. looking into. And we just have so many good ideas for everyone. So look forward to this. And we have five episodes dropping this month because it is a longer month. So we definitely and have a lot of content for you guys to look forward to. I'm so excited. And one of those Tuesdays falls on October 31st, Red. The best day of um, the year besides our birthdays. Besides our birthdays. <laughs> I'd say Halloween's better, honestly. Let's be real. Because we're yeah. over a certain age now. It's like, who cares? <laughs> I mean, if I could have a Halloween themed birthday, even though it's July, that would totally be <gasps> what I would do for me. <laughs> Wait, I could see that for you. Why wouldn't I? Why not? Who cares? Have a costume I party. Mean, I mean, over the years, though, were you like, were you always into Halloween? I mean, I think I became bigger when I got with Sean because he is obsessed with everything spooky. Yeah, I'm so happy that this came together because also like you have like the perfect like enthusiasm to be like, sure, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going all in and combine that with spookiness and it's the perfect for Halloween. It really is. He made me, not made me, but I did it out of an act of love. I watched like 31 horror movies in October for him and it was a doozy, everybody. (laughs) Never (laughs) again some of the things i saw i i will never see again like that movie raw where she eats she's a cannibal never gonna see that i didn't enjoy hellraiser sorry wasn't wasn't for me to Uh, be honest it's not my favorite i mean because as much as it's built into like such a cultural icon like Pinhead. 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 Thank you. Oh my God. I I literally was like Jughead. And I'm like, no. (laughs) Clearly the martini is already It's getting to her. I love this. You're just going to devolve as the episode. Oh yeah. Which is kind of lovely. Cause I mean, if Halloween is not just the slow devolving into just what I love about Halloween itself is just, this is the chance, like they say in Mean Girls, for you to dress however you want and nobody can judge you for it. But I mean, (laughs) 
granted they say it's more for like girls can dress like sluts which absolutely there was but that did you do that during college like me we were all sluts i was a it was too nurse. cold i was a school girl oh well i was in syracuse but i still did it where's oh. your commitment red <laughs> Come it's on fair. now. Uh, I remember actually I did go as a inappropriate nun and <laughs> I had like a fake nose piercing. Um, I wore the habit, but then like I had my cleavage out and stuff like that. And I carried around a flask that had the our bartender written on it. I had rewritten. I'm going to hell for this. Um, I had <laughs> rewritten the our father to our bartender who art in tavern hammered be thy nature. Um <laughs> For those of you that don't know, it's a Catholic or Christian prayer yes. and everybody knows and recites yep. that. And so I rewrote it. And in order to take a shot from the flask, you had to recite the R bartender. And it was quite a popular party trick of the night uh, to then see who could remember it later on. So my, as you know, makeup is huge for me. So yes. as of my skill sets got better, I definitely started incorporating more prosthetics and special effects into my makeup and into my costumes. Right now you can't see, but I actually have some contacts in that are giving me quite a spooky, spooky look. Spooky vibes. I love these contacts. And I had ones before, but they whited out my eyes except for a very thin pupil. And then I did prosthetic fangs and I did my makeup. So I was a vampire. However, I went as a flapper vampire because Ooh. I used to work at Flappers Comedy Club, shout out to them, and I had to work for Halloween or around that time, and I had to go from our corporate job that we both worked at, mm -hmm. and if you would go to the party that they would have, uh, they encouraged you to dress up, so I dressed up, and I went as this and then I had to go to my shift as at Flappers. So I was already dressed for Flappers because we had to dress like Flappers, <laughs> but I was a vampire one. And one. Right. So Smart. it was like the perfect costume. And I actually won an award at our job. Of course you did. I oh. mean, it sounds impressive when you know what the actual company is, but keep in yeah. mind it was more for our section of the company. Yeah, not the whole company. Because remember those big parties on the lot? They had mm -hmm. the actual like company wide ones and they went all right. people. They did. Yeah. It's crazy the costumes people came up with. I, I would like say that one was probably my favorite. And I also went as Sally from Nightmare Before Christmas and just fully painted myself completely blue. You are dedicated. I've never I gone this oh, crazy with my so looks. Not only did I fully paint myself and then I met the actual person playing Sally and I had one of the best interactions where she literally looked at me and my stitches and she went, she went, how are you holding up? And I said, well, I pulled myself together and we were both like, hey. <laughs> and then I went out to a house or a big party bus tour that night and my paint had started to transfer so there was just blue all over and that led to the joke that red blew an entire bus that halloween and they did not mean <laughs> right what they meant was like in a similar way to arrested development i blew myself but when you put it like that i mean yeah it is a fantasy of some <laughs> was not mine and did not happen I'm um fine. 
Go listen wow. to our sex episode if you haven't already. Oh, yeah. Go back to that. That's la- that was last week. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I also want to point out that this year it's on a Tuesday Halloween. I think we should abolish that rule and just make it the Saturday before Instead I, of it being on the actual date, it's always the Saturday. Right? It yeah. should just be on the Saturday. Like, like are you going to go out? Are you going to do anything? Or are you going to Honestly, I'll low? probably just hopefully have a tour and just go and be yeah. ghosty there. But otherwise, no. But... Kelly, don't try and avoid the subject. What were some of your favorite costumes? I mean, that's the thing. Like, I never got as... You got into prosthetics and painting. I feel like I was a lady. Oh, yeah. Ass. Like, I... In recent years, it's been fun. Sean and I always... We swap genders. And oh. um, so we did Jurassic Park one year. And I, I was Sam Neill. You should have been... Um, Jeff Goldblum, Ian Malcolm. We should have We should have Just for that maybe, moment. And then maybe Bandit. <laughs> Could have oh, been. Bandit would have been really good. But he has more of the personality of Sam Neill. Or, Absolutely. Yeah. He does. But we did we did incorporate him. Oh, one of our best ones was we did Jaws and I did put the facial hair on and I was I was Hooper and he was Quint. We both were gentlemen, but then Bandit was the shark. So that went over very well, I think. That and then I is we adorable. surfaced it for karaoke. I was Hooper again for Sharkira for hips don't oh, lie. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that was a good one. And then we did, we actually were the right genders for this one. We were from Ghostbusters. Well, you say right. I say maybe <laughs> we not. We were the traditional. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we were we were the traditional assigned at birth sexes. We did the, I was. I'm the gatekeeper. You're the yes. key master. What Correct. Is that? That's what okay. we were. So uh, those, yeah. Please tell me he went all Rick Moranis. He did. He did. Uh, it was a good one. I think those are our best ones i think we really nailed those um, i love that yeah i like i mean growing up did you dress up and go trick-or-treating or yeah but those are boring like i would dress up as like a pop star or like dorothy from wizard of oz like all the pre-made <laughs> oh, packaged though. ones i know but i feel like you really like got into it with prosthetics the makeup well, and painting and i was just that lazy. was much later <laughs> but my parents were we I think we made our costumes more than we went out and got the packaged ones. I think we were much more, let's put something together. I know I've been a vampire a few times over the years, and I think a witch. Yeah, definitely a vampire. One of my favorite, I want is Esmeralda, and that one I think I got the dress, but then I had this horrible thick black wig, um, (sighs) which for a little, little girl, I was probably like seven or eight maybe, um, and this wig was probably the size of me. And uh, yeah, and I'm this very, very pale little girl with the darkest, darkest wig that just consumed me. And there are just photos of me just being swallowed by this thing. But I, I was so that. happy because also my dress jingled. And of course, Aww. that makes kids happy. <laughs> I think, oh, speaking of that, yeah, I think I was a gypsy once. Lots of jingling. Yeah. But it's freezing in October in Buffalo, so I can imagine you were also very cold. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. it wasn't as bad. I definitely, I think there's stories of us having to go out trick-or-treating while we were still in Canada with, like, snowsuits on. And oh. the tip or the trick was to, if you got the pre-packaged, like, costume, you would get it in a size bigger so it could go over the jacket. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's basically like, yeah, you, you wanted to show off the costume, but it was always so cold. I never understood until I went to LA how people would wear such like like I mean, light that costumes. <laughs> that was college for me I mean true. In Syracuse. 
I know, I but that's different. That's like you've got a beer blanket on for that. So that's I was different. But... Sarah Palin one year. That was hilarious. Oh, that's uh, a good one. I was, I mean, the nurse, the schoolgirl, all that. I was, I was Catherine Middleton, right? That's her name. Yeah, yeah, I was her for one year. I mean, not anymore. She's no. the Duchess. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I will say, I think one of my other favorite costumes that were so simple was I went as Carmen San Diego the first Halloween I got to LA. And oh. everybody was making fun of me because I, I basically I had this, you know, the signature red hat with the yellow band. And then I had a raincoat, a red raincoat on. And I still have the coat. And Everyone was like, oh, my God, you're going to be so hot. And it was boiling. But that night, as it rarely does in L.A., it downpoured. And everybody else ended up being freezing and soaked. And I was in this raincoat. And I was like, justice. Yes. Vindication, baby. Oh, nice. It was amazing. Oh it was just like God. pure coincidence. No one knew it was going to rain. It just suddenly went down and we were all in WeHo. And, um, oh, yeah. My... I went there once. It's a shit mm-hmm. show. I've never had It's been nuts. Since. I can't. Uh, I my, one of my friends, Sherry, Sherry, shout out. Hi. She went as a Freudian slip, which was <laughs> she wore like this little slip and literally had like ego, yes. super ego, all words like that written on her. She always comes up with really obscure but hilarious references, especially like she'll go as like different things around L.A. One year she went as like this very random sign that like, if you know, you know. And so the people who would recognize it would suddenly run up to her and be like, oh my God. She's like, this is how I find my people. And I'm like, they are so smart. You you unlocked a memory. (laughs) I was once creative. One year I did go as the ice bucket challenge. Oh, oh, that's a good one. I carried like a gallon with like cellophane out of it and didn't like dump it over people. And then one year I went as 50 shades of gray with literally just paint swatches of different shades of gray. (laughs) Yes, that's a good one. See, I did have creativity at one point in my life. Exactly. Like early in my 20s, but this year I have no idea. I don't I don't even know. Like I don't think I'm going to. Are you dressing up or no? You're just going to chill. I'm going to do like a another vampire look. I still have my yeah. prosthetic fangs. I've got these contacts now. Just kind of, well, it's going to be funny. I'm just going to kind of be, you know, an everyday vampire. Be like, oh, sup? Here's me and my jeans and t-shirt. And then, <laughs> although there is a part of me that wants to put as many sparkles on my skin and just go around and be like, this is the skin of a killer, Bella. Ugh. Twilight. <laughs> I, I hate Twilight. I hate Twilight. <laughs> My mom, hi mom, I know you're listening. She was obsessed with Twilight. And I was like, I don't get it. Was it the precursor to Fifty Shades, right? It was. So Fifty yeah. Shades started as the as fan fiction for from or inspired by Twilight, right? Uh-huh. Oh, and right. I'm just not a fan of either of those franchises. No. Just and it's nothing to do with the movies or anything like that. It's the books themselves. I just don't think they're Awful. for me. Couldn't even make it through. Honestly, yeah. there's only so many ways you can compare a man to stone. Like he was, he sparkled like this yeah. in the sunlight. And then like, but it wasn't well written, to be honest, no. in my opinion. I mean, yeah, they were right. easy reads, but they were like, I found myself like rolling my eyes at some of the stuff with uh, actually more so Twilight. And then I got dragged to the movies by my then boyfriend at the time. I got dragged by my boyfriend to go watch, oh, Eclipse, I think. And he got very upset with me because I kept mystery science theater in it, uh, where I just kept doing sarcastic commentary. <laughs> he wanted to throughout. see it more than you did. Oh, he w- 
like was very into it and I just was now, now I know Oh look, she's all upset that. because the guy isn't around but yet she sees him everywhere. Oh gosh, it must be so hard. Let me just uh, get all moody and depressed. And he was like, "Can you not?" I'm like, "Oh, now I, can't I see even. why that relationship was doomed from the beginning." <laughs> yeah. For the best though. My god. Um, no, I know. And I know he's yeah. much happier with his wife now and stuff like that. So there's no hard feelings. I just remember I was so not in the mood to go see this movie. And I think he and his guy friends actually got t-shirts for it. And yeah. And I look a, back. Sounds like a serial killer. Like, what, who, <laughs> who loves these movies except for I women think in kind their of, 50s and 60s? I, I think he kind of went into it as like a joke with his buddies. Some of the other girls that they were dating were really into it. So they were like hyping it up in that kind of way. And then I think they kind of actually liked it. So then it turned into like this bro fest, which I would not think with Twilight. But you know what? To each their own. I it was not for me. I just was like, look at him sparkle. <laughs> And then he was like, stop. You know <laughs> it's her choice between necrophilia and bestiality. Ah, oh, every girl's tough decision. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> There's a shoe for every foot, as they say. Somebody's into it. Yeah, I was about to say, that's I a mean, foot fetish right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, today's person definitely is for you. And this person has <laughs> something in common with you, Red, because maybe you'll end up going to his school one day after you do your more traditional training in makeup. <laughs> because today we are going to be talking about the godfather of gore, the sultan of splatter, the maestro of mayhem, the special effects wizard of all of your favorite slasher horror classics from the 80s that you may not even realize were him, we're talking Tom Savini, everyone. Burr, burr, burr. Oh my God. What a legend. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. He's also an actor. He's a director. He's a stuntman. He's a bodybuilder. I had no idea. I didn't idea. know the bodybuilder. He's That's... a bodybuilder, Red. Every year I mean, on his birthday, he takes a picture without a shirt on and he is fucking ripped. This guy. Is he? He holds up his candle like or his age and his cake and you should look it up. It's hilarious. He's fucking ripped. He's won like competitions. He actually got hit by a car two years ago what at the age of 74 and i think he survived strictly because of how good of shape he's in yeah isn't that crazy i had no I'm idea sorry. i didn't even realize he's 74 i i he's 76 some... now this was when he was 74 he got right two years car. math yeah oh my god and i mean he, yeah this guy and he's also a fencer like this guy is renaissance man i had no idea and you should go to a school red i'm telling you but we'll okay. rewind so tom savini was born november 3rd 1947 in pittsburgh and he was a little bummed that he wasn't born on halloween but every day is Halloween for him. I guess his mom went into labor on Halloween, but he just stuck it out for three more days, which put it's okay. I'll forget. It's all right. Her. You could say yeah. that the labor of love began on Halloween on and then Halloween and transferred right. to him, clearly. But every day is Halloween for this guy. He considers himself a hired assassin. Mm -hmm. He kills people however needed, and That's he's true. kind of a bit of a magician. <laughs> so Halloween's just kind of ingrained in this guy. But he grew up in Little Italy, in Italian Catholic, and pretty normal childhood. But it wasn't until 1958. It was this movie about Lon Chaney, the biopic. Lon Chaney is this famous silent actor, humpback of Notre Dame, Phantom of the Opera, legend. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And there was this biopic called Man of a Thousand Faces. And it, it turned Tom's life around. His brain exploded. He actually named his son Tom. He named his son Lon after him because Lon, Lon Chaney completely changed his life. So he also has a daughter named Leah and his wife, Nancy. Shout out to them. But yeah, that's how obsessed he was with Lon Chaney. He saw that biopic, Man of a Thousand Faces, and blew his mind. So he shined shoes to buy makeup actually. And he would oh go to God. school with half his eyebrows missing, nose putty in his hair until he realized he could like make up his friends. So they would go home with cut throats and half their head burned off. <laughs> he would just spend all of his time after school or in his room, just fucking with his friends and himself, putting on all these makeup and special effects. But at the okay, time, I want to be his best friend now. Right? <laughs> I'm telling you, love... you guys are going along, right? You guys got to meet. Oh my God. That would be the dream because I'm just also thinking about how like I took a makeup course one time and I gave myself a fake uh, black eye and walking back from the course that day just the reaction so I can't even imagine especially knowing his <laughs> skill set having his friends walking home with their throat slits like I'm yeah. sure if this was the time when there were cell phones uh, yeah. the cops would be absolutely getting a lot of calls <laughs> shout out to his parents for not like you know telling him to stop you know let your freak flag fly follow that that instinct if a kid's no banging on pots and pans let them they're gonna be a drummer but this is like an uncharted territory at this point yeah, Lon Chaney did some stuff, but there was no books or really path to follow for the special effect makeup stuff. So he thought he was going to be a dance choreographer because he spent really? a lot of time in the theater. Yeah, he spent a lot of time in the theater and acting and stuff. And actually, if you look him up, most of his credits are in acting, believe it or not. That was his thing. So <laughs> we have this love of makeup unlocked from Lon Chaney. But again, special effects makeup, not a thing, really. Not well done. No, I mean, not a it's hard path. enough. Yeah. Right. It's hard enough right now. There's not really, I mean, there are some courses, but especially here in the US, there's basically if you want to go into makeup, it's you go into like esthetician or cosmetology work. And even then it's not so focused on the makeup itself. You don't technically need a license. It's just kind of you get the experience, but in order to get the experience and get hired to do work, you need to it's the catch-22 of like, right. oh, we can't hire you until you have experience. Well, I can't get experience until experience. I get hired. That so, is the bane of my existence. Are you going right. to do that in your course at all? Are you going to do any prosthetic work? Do you think? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh you are. Yeah. Oh, There's hey. prosthetic work in this. So that was part <gasps> of it for me. I wanted to do pro more prosthetic work and special oh, effects. And this is going to have that right. in it. And so, yeah, oh, no, God. this is not just that. But I can't imagine back then without having programs and things like that. I'm sure there were things for like hairdressers and beauty school, but I doubt they probably did what he was interested in at oh, all. Yeah, no, so no. this is already impressive. We'll, we'll get to it later, but the tricks are pretty close to the vest. It's a magician's game kind of, right? So mm -hmm. it, it took one person who will mention later to like really show him the way because otherwise, how does anybody learn? You know, it's got somebody's right. got to let the secrets loose, right? So what happens is, what happened was he went to Point Park <laughs> University for three years where he majored in journalism, actually. But oh. this is the time of Vietnam, Vietnam War. So you can see where this oh, is going. He was enlisted yep. in the army and he actually was a combat photographer. And I bet you can see where that's kind of going. Because uh -huh. as a combat photographer, his job was to shoot images of damages to machines and to people. So 
through that, he saw some hideous shit and he said to cope with it, I guess I try to think of it as special effect. Now as an artist, I just think of creating the effect within the limitations we have to deal with. So through the lens of the camera, he separated himself from the real life horrors of war, but the images haunted his mind. His wartime experience, of course, would influence his eventual style of gory effects. And he hates it when he watches a war movie and someone dies because some people die with one eye open and one half closed. Sometimes people die with smiles on their faces because the jaw is always slack. So he incorporated the feeling of the stuff he saw in Vietnam into his work. He was very big on the corpses in his movies and films being anatomically correct. They need to be slack jawed and blood turns brown. It doesn't always stay red, red. Mm -hmm. It it goes brown with time. (laughs) Well, yeah. The other thing too is, I mean, I just want to point out as someone who has PTSD, I mean, they didn't have the treatment coming back from that. So for him to find a way to kind of channel this into something that's, some would argue, not healthy, but I would say a healthy, creative way to kind of readdress those things and be like, oh, I'm going to show this as I saw it accurately, as much as it pains me to see that. But I also see how people are doing it wrong. And knowing that and seeing how that upsets me to see like that it's being depicted in the wrong way, I'm going to do it right. I think that's a much healthier way to deal with that than, you know, a lot of unfortunately people who went over and came back, they didn't have the healthiest of outlets for Not themselves. At all. So when I mean, Oof. when he came back, because PTSD wasn't a thing, they didn't really have a word or treatment for it. He was no. a zombie. How appropriate, right? Like his, mm. his marriage, he was married. It went in the toilet and his emotions didn't come back until actually it was a movie that brought him back to emoting and having feelings again. It was it was actually Midnight Cowboy. He, oh. When Dustin Hoffman died, he went hysterical and finally mm. cried again and felt the feelings and so the power of cinema, Red, like just brought yeah. everything back from that traumatic experience. But I do want to say a fun story, not fun, but an interesting story from when he was in Vietnam. So it was in 1970 when he was on guard duty, a flare was triggered in the jungle area he was watching. And against protocol, he fired into the bush without informing his superiors. Other soldiers, likewise, began firing until a duck wandered from the bush completely <gasps> unharmed oh thank god so due to his failure to follow orders savini was taken off guard duty from his bunker on the following evening that same evening the bunker came under attack and several soldiers were killed and as a result of this incident he earned the nickname duck slayer and to this day will not eat duck i mean the duck yeah saved his life from not following orders so sometimes it helps to be a rebel people good for that duck and good for you, Savini. So again, so he came back, uh, destroyed, zombie, you know, Midnight Cowboy, brought him back. Mm-hmm. So after returning, he actually went on to study acting and directing on full scholarship at Carnegie Mellon. And the GI Bill helped as well. Now, this is kind of where we start to see Tom Savini, as we know him, blossom in his career take off. So now we need to rewind a little bit. Famous acclaimed director George Romero of a little movie called Night of the Living Dead. Not sure if you've ever heard of it, Red. Mm. But yeah, no big deal. Just the like preeminent zombie What's his name? George what? George? Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard. George who? (laughs) Yeah. If you know horror films at all. I mean, yeah. yeah. Legend. We have the whole genre, really. We have him to thank for it. And 
for zombies, really. So he actually came to Tom Savini's high school years prior to recruit a, like a teenage high school type for his movie, which never ended up being released. But Savini was picked for that role. So years later, George remembered him because he was back. George Romero was back. He was making a movie called Martin and he remembered Tom Savini. Savini had heard, gotten wind of this when he was at Carnegie Mellon, showed him his portfolio. He's like, oh yeah, I remember you. I picked you for that movie that never got made. And so this is where his career takes off red because in <laughs> Martin, Savini did this very convincing wrist slashing effect in the opening scenes of this movie, and that kind of sparked everything for him because the following year he got to work on a larger budget on Dawn of the Dead. Ever heard of it? No big deal. And and he created, you know, his signature palette of severed limbs and bite marks while on that movie. But then Red all hell broke loose in a good way because in 1980, a little known slasher film called Friday the 13th. Don't know if you've ever heard of that. But that came along and Boom! Just He just exploded. This was his era, Red. Like, the 80s can just be called the Tom Savini era. <laughs> this was this was where it all began. He created Jason. Like, come on, Red. Like, that's just enough to put on my resume. If, I, if that's I all mean, I did in my life, you created Jason? Like, what? We're going to say a quick spoiler here because, as most people know, there's uh, Jason with the mask and everything like that. Yes. But what people forget about is the creature at the end. Oh, he, that was his idea, too. Right. It wasn't there originally. So Isn't that's that what I mean. Crazy? Like, because that was definitely probably, for me, one of the biggest scares because you're totally lulled into this false sense of, and she's fine. And, yep. you know, it's horrible what happened, but she survived. And then for yep. that to be the biggest, and you know, I am someone who I hate jump scares. Uh, I don't like being startled. <laughs> and of course, that would suddenly just come out. And I was like, oh, my God, because also yeah. the design on him is just absolutely absolutely terrifying terrifying for the, especially for that era just absolutely and that oh. wasn't in there originally that was his idea so good for him when a good director lets you collaborate and they certainly did <laughs> and he did that in a lot of the movies he worked on and he would also direct the scenes where his effects were in which was really helpful tom savini he would direct those um but remember the famous kevin bacon death with the snake oh. in his neck and this is something he actually did in the movie martin so he repeated himself oh. constantly in his movies. So, but this was like the iconic one. I mean, I, when I saw that, I almost threw up. It was crazy. <laughs> like, I can't take blood and guts and gore red. I don't know about you, but that was iconic, that scene. A typical 80s, like, in the way, because I think a lot of the gore that came out of the 80s, which obviously there was a lot of him behind that, was what really defined the horror film genre at the time, where it was a little bit campy, but the special effects because we are in the days before cgi and like that kind of technology you had to use a lot of practical effects and you had to lean yeah. in on how that would look on the screen not only you know in person but how that would transfer over to film and so for him to be able to do that in a way that was so convincing that it still to this day is used as an example of how we do special effects makeup. Woo! <laughs> yeah, and it's funny you say that because in a recent interview, 
somebody asked him about CGI and he says it doesn't affect them. They actually incorporate it and teach it at a school. Like, mm-hmm. You have to understand it and use it. And that's, that's, it's kind of, you would think it would ruin his career, but no, it's just, it's just enhanced. No, just like anything yeah. else with technology. Like I know we have our own trepidation towards AI and things like that, but the way it should really be used is as a tool. So it's only going to be used alongside the, practical effects. So using those two together, you're going to have the most convincing. It shouldn't all just be one or the other. It should be something that's used in tandem to just give the best effects possible. So obviously at this point, he is the Sultan of Splatter, as I said, and this is his decade. It set off his career. Dawn of the Dead and Friday the 13th, those one-two punches, it was just, he was nonstop working. And I actually have a list that I'll put in our show notes of the top four effects that he did ranked. And I'll go through them quickly here, but you can look more detail in the show notes. But so number 11 was skewered bacon in Friday the 13th in 1980, Uh of course. Number 10, I don't know if people are as familiar with, but it's the raft attack in the burning in 1981. It's a lesser known slasher flick, but basically a killer savagely tears our guy apart with gardening shears. So that was fun. (laughs) Um, Also, uh, listeners, please Please look at this as your homework for this yes, month. Yes, you need to watch films least, to watch if you have yeah, not to absolutely. see some of his work. And so number nine, you definitely should watch. Um, it's the Happy Father's Day scene from Creep Show, 1982, which oh. may I say was his hardest film he said he's ever worked on because it's like five film styles in one. But it's kind of his masterpiece. He considers is is Creep Show, and there's another Creep Show one that's more famous in here. This one is one of the best looking creatures in the film. Is this pure living corpse of Nathan Grantham. He appears at the end of the Father's Day segment and he doesn't get much screen time, but the character makes an impression and is surely one of the coolest looking zombies in horror history. Like as if pairing up Romero and Stephen King wasn't powerful enough, like Savini with these effects took this to the next level. Oh boy. So number eight, Pop Goes the Zombie from Dawn of the Dead. Oh, yep. I, like, I don't remember that one. And then as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, Pop Goes the Zombie. Yeah. One of the greatest head explosions ever filmed mm-hmm. happened just 10 minutes into this. It's it's insane. Just, just oh God, guys, watch that. You'll, you'll, you'll know what we're talking about. Number seven, a movie that still haunts me to this day, the opening scene of Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. <gasps> From 1986, Ugh. Nightmares Red. Like, I can never watch that movie again. Absolutely terrifying. So basically, Leatherface in this scene saws into the, the punk's car and lets loose, mm-hmm. like, this geyser of blood. Geyser of blood from the car. I'm shuddering. I can't. Number six is Death by Shovel from Day of the Dead in 1985. Yeah. Yes, the zombie has its head split in two by a shovel. And the top of the head rolls away as the eyes continue to move. (laughs) That's amazing to think about. Oh my God. Number five, head explosion in The Prowler, which is from 1981. Very underrated slasher features some of his best work, I will say. I mean, mean, there is a ton of barf bag worthy like gore in this, but it's, it's basically a head explosion that kills the villain. 
I'm also yeah. guessing that these are things that he did and they were the first time he did it because as we know once you're a magician in this way you go back to your bag of tricks and find ways to do it in different ways for different films so the fact that these are like the iconic versions of this where he showed this for the first time yeah i mean i'm sure people replicated these and now we just go to them as like inspiration for different ways to display gore number four going out on a high note day of the dead in 85 this one oh boy it is a horrifying death in the death of Private Torres. His head is basically grabbed and pulled off his body by tens of zombies. Yeah. And the severed head's carried away. And he shows each vocal cord stretching and snapping, distorting oh. Private Torres' screams. It is disgusting, but it is one of his greatest achievements, Tom Savini. Like, I gotta say. But... Now we're at our top three. So I said Creepshow would be back. So number yep. three is his favorite, his personal favorite the monster creation he's ever made, Fluffy from Creepshow. Oh, yeah. Fluffy the Crate Beast. Yes. He's uh-huh. like this ape like, like monster. He's dug up during like this excavation in the Arctic and he runs amok on a college campus and he mm-hmm. like feasts on anyone in its path. So this beast is his greatest achievement, he says, like his favorite thing he's created. Aww. And then number two, The Death of Captain Rhodes, Day of the Dead, 1985. Hands down, the gnarliest moment in Day of the Dead is the grisly death of Captain Rhodes. So basically, this sadistic military man is gunned down by Bub, the friendly zombie, and then he's subsequently mauled to death by a horde of hungry zombies. And not only is he like graphically disemboweled, but his entire posterior is removed and carried away by the flesh eaters red. It is incredibly realistic and disgusting, but also a masterpiece of horror special effects. And number one is exploding his own head, Maniac, 1980. So Maniac is this brutal slasher that follows the killer as the main protagonist. Very unique. And while it wasn't received well at the time, it's since become a cult classic, like they all do. And Mm -hmm. one of the most praised aspects of the film is the amazing special effects by (coughs) Savini. And the best moment is when the, the maniac jumps on the hood of a man's car, played by Savini himself, and fires his shotgun through the windshield. And an extremely realistic model of Savini's head explodes in slow motion and splatters all over the female passenger's face. It is just gleefully gratuitous and easily the top moment of best, best Savini effect of all time. And this is like in 1980 when he's just started just just right. began so good for you savini so now going back to where he learned all these savini a lot of what he knows goes by the name of dick smith and, and he is most famous for the exorcist and he also won an oscar for his work on amadeus and he actually worked at savini's makeup school uh, he did sadly pass away in 2014, but his career covered pretty much the whole spectrum from low budget horrors to sweeping miniseries from mainstream cinema to classy scare flicks. And he's generally regarded as being a leader of his field. And he's certainly a pioneer upon which Rick Baker and Tom Savini and the rest of modern makeup artists built their craft. So we have... Dick Smith to thank for a lot of the t- tips and tricks that Tom Savini put in his films. Because nobody showed their tricks, like I said. Mm-hmm. And so somebody had to be the one to let it 
go. And so Dick Smith was like, yeah, sure, I'll show you. And showed him what he came to know and created his whole career of effects in the 80s. So we have Dick Smith to thank for a lot of what we see in these these films. He was the king of the 80s. And from there, you know, acting is, is the longest list of credits from anything he's done. And he always wanted to act in his movies that he did effects in. He actually got to direct the remake of Night of the Living Dead because the copyright was going to expire and George Romero wanted to protect it. So when Romero asked him, you know, he said, we're going to do a remake. He's like, oh, great. I can't wait to do more zombies. He's like, oh, no, I want you to direct it. And it was, he said, the worst experience of his life because he was going in the middle of a divorce. It was 1990, worst time of his life. But it actually has been since declared like just as good as the original. So he's a little hard on himself. It was really good. He did a really great job. He also directed Tales from the Dark Side. He did three episodes of that. And he's he's he said that 10 of them are good and the rest are terrible. So <laughs> he also, like I said, is a competitive bodybuilder and fencer. And he runs the special makeup effects program at the Douglas Education Center in Monson, Pennsylvania, which started in 2000. And he's written tons of books on special effects, and he's he recently worked on a Friday the 13th video game. And not to mention, there's so many things he's done in between. He was on Late Night with David Letterman. There's a whole thing online with all of the times he's appeared on there and grossed Letterman, you know, out. And he did a gunshot to, to Letterman. Um, and he oh. did fire gel. It was just crazy. The effects he would do on the show. It, it's so fun to watch. He said, you know, of all the things he does, he's also a stunt man, a true Renaissance man. But his favorite mm. thing is just basically being a Dr. Frankenstein and creating and like giving life to things that didn't exist before. And we just have a whole genre of the movies we watched during this time of year to thank Tom Zavini for and we love that for him Red and I think you really need to go to his school (laughs) when you're done with your your main stuff I know I mean if they have like the little ones I have to say as someone who loves makeup the way I do where as much as I love looking pretty I also love the makeup that looks gory and scary and just the way you could do different tricks to that and honestly I think a lot of that in modern times, we have to credit to Tom Savini. He really is like the maestro of just absolute mayhem. <laughs> mayhem. And But it's the best part, too, because as messy as that all looks and as gory as it is, there's a skill set behind that that oh, a lot of people don't realize. Like, there's artistry there that I know I probably sound almost a little too, like, blasé, um, where I'm like, oh yeah, that ex- special effect, uh huh, the head exploding and things like yeah, that. Like, just knowing chill. Both of us coming from a production background, we know kind of the controlled elements of that. Where when you see it in person, you're like, whoa, that's amazing. But also, you're like able to talk to the person whose head is about to be ripped off, and or you're able to like you're breaking that third wall of like the between what's happening in the film and what's actually happening on set so to have the good humor and the eye to identify and make these effects happen and i know we listed out like some of the films but he has had his hands in 
so many other films as oh, well. God. We would be here all day if I named all day. Lo- like it's insane, <laughs> but really it was the eighties. Yeah, right. And yeah. I mean, he still is someone who is considered like to this day a huge key component to horror films of that era, but also created the path for other people to go down and explore that as well and see what you could do and the way that films have gotten even more gory but also realistic is just it's terrifying to watch but also it makes you go like how did they do that and he is the magician who was like oh i have the tricks (laughs) so i love that for him i just love him in general like there people need to see like his films but also yeah good thing about him is that he's able to lead this life of you'd be like oh I, i feel like i recognize him but he's not even though he's made such a difference, he's still able to like live the life he wants without yeah. like, you know, getting hounded by, I'm sure he gets hounded by people within the industry, but he can walk into a grocery store and yeah. people would be like, he's definitely a celebrity, but what have I seen? And of course the horror f- fans are going to be like, oh my God, because we know him, but he has the ability to kind of hide amongst like everybody. And from that, he's able to incorporate even more storytelling because he's able to do that. And he was on The Simpsons, though, Red. So maybe it did blow him up a little bit. I don't know I mean, how horror fans, better, maybe the regular people can I was about know, to say, was spot he, him now. Was yeah. he in Treehouse of Horror? Because that's the only way I want to see him on He was Simpsons. in the episode, <laughs> worst episode ever in 2001, <laughs> when uh, Bart and Milhouse are banned from the Android Comic dungeon. book store. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Worst episode ever. ever. <laughs> but once you make it onto The Simpsons, I mean, he can walk around probably with without getting hounded but right as long as his skin is yellow like me know what he looks like what i mean is he's able to live his life where he takes fencing and he's a bodybuilder and he's he's able to pursue all these different interests and people aren't like oh no you can only stick to makeup because that's what you're good at and the special effects he's able to go beyond that and i think that makes him a really interesting person and just someone who i personally really aspire to be like someday of just you know using that artistry but also being able to pursue all the crazy ideas that you may have and probably the first time he started doing the the special effects people were like what is he even doing like that is crazy yeah and now everyone's like oh you mean tom savini the absolute like best at this yeah and isn't it crazy that he's only nominated for he was really only nominated no he won one award for 1985 film day of the dead he won a saturn award for best makeup effects i thought this guy would have won i think well i think there's also certain areas of our industry that we don't give as much credit to credit right but i'm gonna say too like to lump in all makeup special effects into one because there's a very different skill set to doing makeup that's going to make a person look gory versus one that's going to make them look like a certain character you know like fashion or bridal or special like prosthetics those are all very different and so to put them all into one general category kind of does a little bit of a disservice to the different styles and skills it's the same way we don't honor stunt people in awards, which point. is crazy because, I mean, I'm sure he's also point. done stuff like that where he's like stuck oh, yeah. in to help. He's done motorcycle and... stunts. He's done a lot of stunts. Yeah. Right. He's, but to say, yeah. oh, we're going to put stunt doubles into an acting category. Well, that's an entirely different skill set. 
And we don't have a category right now. And so I think it's one of those things where it flies under the radar, but there's so much that goes into this industry. And I mean, at the time of this recording, there's tentative agreements coming for oh, the strike. Oh, it's, it's finalized, by the way, everybody. Yay! Okay, so it is finalized. For WGA. Like, I always get a little nervous. Back to work but... at 12.01 as of, yeah, Wednesday. It was the September 27th, yeah? Okay, it's, uh, okay. It's all over. And so SAG, I mean, we're recording this. We'll let you under the curtain on 27th. So hopefully SAG is settled by now. But uh, if not, it'll be soon. So... Yay. And especially happy October then as we yes. kind of resume productions and things like that. But Yay. what I was going to say about that was, again, we're coming into this time where a lot of things are being discussed and the industry is rapidly changing in such a way. And we're trying to hopefully, hopefully uh, do right by everybody in the industry and give everybody, you know, fair pay and the ability to live their life while also doing work that they love. And Tom Zavini is one of those people that is able to do the work that he loves, but it's because he was given opportunities and recognized for his talent by people already established in the industry. As much as we want to help each other, it's, it takes more than just that to help people reach their full potential. And hopefully now we're getting this opportunity for all of us to now come into this new era with more opportunities under better conditions. That's all I'm going to say about that. I'm an optimist at heart, so that's what I'm hoping for. (laughs) That's the right attitude going into spooky season, the most magical time of year. The most magical time. And everybody channel will not be spooky anymore. Let's hope. Right. (laughs) Maybe it's going to be more of a trick than a treat. So a treat you mean a treat than a trick. Okay. I'm feeling the martini (laughs) now. (laughs) We're going to do some, we're going to do some movie magic tricks now. And that's going to be a treat for everyone else. See what? There you go. There we go. That was beautiful. Thank you. But on that note, Tom, we love that for you. And you guys send us all your spooky ideas. If you guys have any costumes that you did, anything that was inspired by Tom himself, please, uh, Please send us. Oh, uh, please send us. There's going to be a lot of Jasons, I think. Oh, I'm sure. But just send us anything that you want to show us. This is our favorite time of year. So come get spooky with us. And we have so many more episodes coming around this month that we are so excited to share with you guys. So stay tuned. We're so excited. See you next time. Love you guys. Bye. Thank you for joining us on I Love That For You. Our theme song is by Vaudeville and used with permission. Our cover art is by Jenny Lamb, edited to the best of our abilities by Kelly and Red. If you want us to spotlight someone, have questions, or just want to say hi, email us at ilovethatforyoupod at gmail.com or join us on Instagram at ilovethatforyoupod to join the love fest and see what else we get up to. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
basically wherever else you listen. We appreciate all your love. And if you want to help support the show, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. This helps us spread the love and reach more people. Thanks for listening. We love you.